Hello, friends. It's January 8th in this new year. This is the One Year Bible Tour Guide podcast, where we read each day from the One Year Bible according to its calendar plan. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts. And I have been using this plan with my wife for many years now, and years ago started to write a Bible commentary for our grandchildren. Eventually, it was shared with others, and then I was asked if I could read it on a podcast, and this is how the one-year Bible tour guide began. It may have sounded rough at first, but our objective is clear. We don't want to just read the Bible, but we want to think through its message and discern its implications for each of our lives personally, as well as upon the lives of others. We want to meditate upon it and really ask the Lord to show us its relevance to us today. So we are in the book of Genesis today, reading the account of Abraham in the Old Testament and the Gospel of Matthew in the New Testament, receiving the teaching of Jesus in his famous Sermon on the Mount. Let's go first to Genesis chapter 18, verse 16, and I'm reading from the English Standard Version. Then the men set out from there, and they looked down toward Sodom. And Abraham went with them to set them on their way. The Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to do, seeing that Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him? For I have chosen him, that he may command his children and his household after him, to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and their sin is very grave, I will go down to see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me. And if not, I will know. So the men turned from there and went toward Sodom. But Abraham still stood before the Lord. Then Abraham drew near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city. Will you then sweep away the place and not spare it for the fifty righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? And the Lord said, If I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered and said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord, I who am but dust and ashes. Suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. Again he spoke to him and said, Suppose forty are found there. He answered, For the sake of forty I will not do it. Then he said, O let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak. Suppose thirty are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find thirty there. He said, Behold, I have undertaken to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty are found there. He answered, For the sake of twenty I will not destroy it. Then he said, O let not the Lord be angry, and I will speak again but this once. Suppose ten are found there. He answered, For the sake of ten I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way, when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. Chapter 19 The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, 
he rose to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the earth and said, My lords, please turn aside to your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise up early and go on your way. They said, No, we will spend the night in the town square. But he pressed them strongly, so they turned aside to him and entered his house. And he made them a feast and baked unleavened bread, and they ate. But before they lay down, the men of the city, the men of Sodom, both young and old, all the people to the last man, surrounded the house. And they called to Lot, Where are the men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us, that we may know them. Lot went out to the men at the entrance, shut the door after him, and said, I beg you, my brothers, do not act so wickedly. Behold, I have two daughters who have not known any man. Let me bring them out to you, and do to them as you please. Only do nothing to these men, for they have come under the shelter of my roof. But they said, Stand back. And they said, This fellow came to sojourn, and he has become the judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with them. Then they pressed hard against the man Lot, and drew near to break the door down. But the men reached out their hands, and brought Lot into the house with them, and shut the door. And they struck with blindness the men who were at the entrance of the house, both small and great, so that they wore themselves out, groping for the door. Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, sons-in-law, sons, daughters, or anyone you have in the city? Bring them out of the place, for we are about to destroy this place, because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and said to his sons-in-law, who were to marry his daughters, Up, get out of this place, for the Lord is about to destroy the city. But he seemed to his sons-in-law to be jesting. As morning dawned, the angels urged Lot, saying, Up, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be swept away in the punishment of the city. But he lingered. So the men seized him and his wife and his two daughters by the hand, the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. And as they brought them out, one said, Escape for your life. Do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills, lest you be swept away. And Lot said to them, O oh, no, my lords, behold, your servant has found favor in your sight, and you have shown me great kindness in saving my life. But I cannot escape to the hills, lest the disaster overtake me and I die. Behold, this city is near enough to flee to, and it is a little one. Let me escape there. Is it not a little one? And my life will be saved. He said to him, Behold, I grant you this favor also, that I will not overthrow the city of which you have spoken. Escape there quickly, for I can do nothing till you arrive there. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar, which incidentally means little. The sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. And the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife, behind him, looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord, and he looked down toward Sodom and Gomorrah, and toward all the land of the valley. And he looked, and behold, the smoke of the land went up like the smoke of a furnace. So it was that, when God destroyed the cities of the valley, God remembered Abraham, 
and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. Now Lot went up out of Zoar and lived in the hills with his two daughters, for he was afraid to live in Zoar. So he lived in a cave with his two daughters. And the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is not a man on earth to come into us after the manner of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father. He did not know when she lay down or when she arose. The next day the firstborn said to the younger, Behold, I lay last night with my father. Let us make him drink wine tonight also. Then you go in and lie with him, that we may preserve offspring from our father. So they made their father drink wine that night also. And the younger arose and lay with him. And he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Thus both the daughters of Lot became pregnant by their father. The firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. The younger also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami, meaning son of my people. He is the father of the Ammonites to this day. We have been following the life of Abraham and the unfolding of this redemptive drama, and we have been observing how God has acted in spite of the unbelief and sinfulness of mankind. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? We read this in Genesis 18.14. Sarah might have scoffed at the idea of having a child at the age of 90, saying, It's impossible. Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, might have thought it was too late in her life to have a baby. It's impossible. Mary, the mother of Jesus, might have thought it was too early for her to bear the holy child who would become the world's Savior. A child born without a human father? It's impossible. But as the angel Gabriel said to her, nothing will be impossible with God. Luke 1, verse 37. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Notice, the Lord, that is Yahweh, said, Sarah your wife will have a son by this time next year. The Lord was among the mysterious men who visited Abraham and Sarah and brought them this good news. This most likely is a Christophany, a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. The Lord repeats the promise that they will have a son, but now they are given details about the appointed time. The child will be born within the year, and yes, it will be a boy. He will be the son of Abraham and Sarah. He will be blessed and be a blessing. He will be the father of Israel, and the promised son will be a type of the promised son of God. Is anything too difficult for the Lord? Just as Sarah discovered that it was not too hard for the Lord to make the barren woman not just laugh but sing by giving her a child when her own capacity to conceive was dead, so Abraham would now discover that it is not too hard for the Lord to deal with the grievous sins of the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Some revisionists reinterpret the events of Genesis 19 by saying that the sin of Sodom was the failure of the citizens to offer hospitality to the two angels based on the fact that lack of concern for the poor and needy was listed among her sins in Ezekiel 16, verse 49. However, the Genesis text tells us that the sin of the Sodomites was exceedingly grave, Genesis 18, verse 20, and Genesis 13, verse 13. 
Genesis 19 verse 5 tells us that the evil in the hearts of people from every quarter of the city, young and old, had intended nothing short of the homosexual rape of these two visitors. Elsewhere in Scripture, we see that this city publicly celebrated what the Bible condemns as sin. In the book of Jude, chapter 1, verse 7. In the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 27. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 3, verse 9. In the book of Leviticus, chapter 18, verse 22. In Isaiah, chapter 5, verse 20. In Romans, chapter 1, verse 32. The destruction of the city and its inhabitants has become a lasting reminder of God's ability to bring judgment to a populace. Second Peter 2, verse 6, and Isaiah 1, 9. It was not too hard for the Lord to rescue Lot and bring judgment on the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. It is not too hard for the Lord to easily turn a prosperous city into ashes. Before the Lord executed judgment on these cities, He called Abraham to join Him in intercession. Abraham is not only known as the father of our faith, he is the only one in Scripture to be explicitly called a friend of God. In Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 7, in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 8, and James chapter 2, verse 23. Jesus called his disciples his friends, in John 15, 13 through 15, and he made us friends of God. We see that as a friend of God, Abraham ministered to the Lord, offering him his best of hospitality, bread, and a fine meal, in Genesis 18, verses 5 and 6. As a friend of God, Abraham would minister to his family. For I have chosen him, so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, so that the Lord may bring upon Abraham what he has spoken about him. Genesis 18:19. As a friend of God, Abraham would minister to those who are lost. We see this in his intercession. Today the Lord Jesus intercedes for us and for those whom the Father has given him. He came to seek and save that which is lost, and he leads us in intercession for those who are currently lost to his love. Right now, Jesus is at the right hand of God, making intercession for us. Romans chapter 8, verse 34. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. Abraham has the conviction that God will do right. In Genesis 18.25, he says, Far be it from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth deal justly? Abraham proceeds to ask the Lord to withhold destruction of Sodom if there are fifty righteous men within the city. The Lord concedes. Abraham presses further. He asks the Lord to spare the city if there are forty-five righteous men, then thirty, then twenty, and finally ten. Abraham, like most human beings, overestimates man's goodness and underestimates God's holiness. The Bible describes the state of fallen humanity. There is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.10 The only righteousness that a human being can have in God's estimation is the righteousness of Christ that is imputed to those who, like Abraham, believe God for the promised salvation. Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. In Genesis 15.6 Earlier, Abraham had rescued Lot. Now God would rescue Lot. Lot must have believed God also, for in the New Testament he is called righteous Lot. We learn he was grieved by the sins of his neighbors. In Second Peter chapter 2, verse 4, we read, 
If God condemned the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to destruction by reducing them to ashes, having made them an example to those who would live ungodly lives thereafter, and if he rescued righteous Lot, oppressed by the sensual conduct of unprincipled men, for by what he saw and heard that righteous man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by their lawless deeds, then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation, and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment, and especially those who indulge the flesh in its corrupt desires and despise authority. So as we read through the Bible, not only do we recognize that Abraham is called a friend of God, but that the Lord Jesus, the seed of Abraham, has won the friendship of God for us. Do you act like a friend of God? Do you minister to the Lord, loving and serving Him and His church with your whole heart? Do you show that you are a friend of God to your family by instructing them in His ways and treating them as God has treated you? Do you show that you are a friend of God by sharing His heart for the lost? He's not willing that any should perish in 2 Peter 3.9. He desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth in 1 Timothy 2.4. He takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked in Ezekiel 18.23 and chapter 33 verse 11. Do we share his heart? Brimstone and fire brought the city of Sodom to destruction. The angels had to drag Lot out. He hesitated. Even though he hated its sin, he had a position in that city, a reputable job at the city gate. Genesis 19.16 reads, So the men seized his hand and the hand of his wife and the hands of his two daughters, for the compassion of the Lord was upon him, and they brought him out and put him outside the city. Lot and his family underestimated the severity of the situation. Lot balked at the inconvenience of escaping to the mountains. Lot's wife defied the instructions and looked back and turned to a pillar of salt. Lot was accustomed to making decisions based on self-will rather than the revealed will of God. He chose Sodom. He chose Zoar. He ends up fleeing in fear to a cave. His two daughters, desperate at the thought of not having husbands or children, they get their father drunk and lie with him to conceive children and preserve their family through their father. The result would be offspring, who would become the fathers of nations that would war with Israel. Moab was the child of Lot's firstborn daughter, and Benami, the son of his second daughter. Benami is the father of the Ammonite nation. Moab is the father of the Moabites. Both of these tribes would prove to be Israel's enemies. Although no word of God's displeasure or judgment of this instance of the sin of incest is given in the passage, there are plenty of references throughout Scripture that condemn this behavior. Leviticus chapter 18, verses 6 to 18. Leviticus chapter 20, verses 11, 12, 17, 19 through 21. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 30. Deuteronomy chapter 27, verses 20 to 23. Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 11. And 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Now reading from the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, beginning with chapter 6, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? 
Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to the span of his life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce you will be judged, and with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. We are coming to the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, and it ends with Jesus giving an invitation to escape destruction by heeding his word and coming to him on his terms and not our own. He's reminding us that we cannot play games with God. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small and the way is narrow, and there are few who find it. Later in the Gospel of John, Jesus will make it so clear. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Reading from the book of Psalms, Psalm 8, verses 1 through 9. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth! You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants 
you have established strength because of your foes, to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honor. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Psalm 8 might sound familiar to you, as it's quoted often. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. What a tribute to the grace of God. He has dignified our humanity. He has taken us from the guttermost to the uttermost. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God, and you crown him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet. The gospel restores our humanity to its highest privilege. The Bible has a greater vision for humanity than humanism. Thank you, Jesus. And now a reading from the book of Proverbs, chapter 2, verses 6 through 15. For the Lord gives wisdom... From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you, delivering you from the way of evil from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. What a safety net we have, that is, if we walk in the ways of the Lord. God's Word is a source of wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. These come from His mouth. How can I know the right course to take and the right thing to do? How can I benefit other people? The answer is right here in verse 7. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity in every good course. Let's pray. O Lord, we know that nothing is too difficult for you. With you, all things are possible. You created the universe. You dealt graciously with Abraham and Sarah. You caused the barren to rejoice and sing. You rescued Lot. You sent Jesus to rescue us. Is anything too hard for you? You vindicate your justice and mercy in the wondrous display of redemption's love on the cross. There your divine justice saw our sin being punished. There the floodgates of mercy opened and gave us pardon, peace, and eternal life. Who are we that you should be mindful of us? Ah, Lord God, behold, you've made the heavens and the earth by your great power and by your outstretched arm. 
Nothing is too difficult for you. We ask, Lord, that you bless our meditation and enable us to walk in the light of what we've come to understand afresh today through reading your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us in this worthwhile endeavor of reading, hearing, studying, and thinking with the Word of God. We trust that as a result, the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts would be acceptable in the sight of our Lord, our Rock, and our Redeemer. We would love to learn how you're getting on in your pursuit of reading through the Bible. If you would like to share your comments, questions, or requests, you can contact us by email at podcast at newlife.org and we will do our best to get back to you. And you can learn more about the ministries of New Life at our website, and also subscribe to a free daily email with a written commentary with charts, maps, and pictures to help you navigate your way with us through the One Year Bible. The website's very easy to find. It's newlife.org. And don't forget to let others know about this podcast. Respond by indicating a like or click subscribe, and you will help us in our mission to spread the word and the love of the truth. God bless you and keep you looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Shalom. Peace be with you.